Navarre, oh, we locked, we good, we on. Because <laughs> we can do this shit all day. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are live. Yeah, so awesome. we can. Um, okay, what up, what up? Yeah, we can start it up. Yes, sir. This That's a good question, man. We. We we, are, we, we rolling into this foundation thing. right now. Man. Yeah, <laughs> we rolling into it, man. Yeah, I'll let Stefan do the intro and we'll take off for sure. Hey, so this is episode number three of That's a Good Question, T A G Q, and our guest today is Abib Jalil. What's going yes, on? Um, he is a musician turned filmmaker and probably still a musician. Can we say that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. all around yeah. creative, all around artist. You know? There, there it is. Um, he. He shoot. Let's 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 let you tell the story. So, <clears throat> I guess okay. we want to know first off, like, where are you from? Like, what's your background? So, um, I was born in Brooklyn. Um, originally from Brownsville, Brooklyn. My my parents, my whole family, pretty much is from Jamaica. Mm. Uh, and I moved to Atlanta when I was like eight years old, south side of Atlanta. So, and I've been here ever since. Mm. So, um, yeah, I equally claim Jamaica, Brooklyn, and Atlanta because it's all of them are. are you know, part of my my book, so to speak, it makes me who I am. Got and you. he came in at prom time. Yeah. Prom time from both places, from New York and coming into Atlanta. Those were prom times, man. For yeah. music, for sports, for the culture in general. Shit, freak Nick around that time. Right. All that's going on around right. that time. Yeah, ninety six. Um, yeah, I came here. It was it was it was definitely crazy. Now that I think about it. It's something that I didn't even realize until recently. Like, it was definitely the golden era in hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being in Brooklyn, you know, being on those streets where you know Biggie walked and Jay Z walked and all those people walked, and even you know my family mingling with some of those people and me not even knowing because it's just a part of the community. It's just Brooklyn. Right. You get know what I'm saying? Right. To then come to Atlanta and, and experience Outkast, experience you know. Um, Goody Mob, Goody man. Mob, experience no limit, experience Project Pat and and that whole thing. You know what I mean? And just kind of getting that experience, it was it was definitely um, incredible and eventful. You know, Freak Nick, I, I would, you know, I was too young to yeah, really go yeah, to Freak Nick, yeah, yeah, but I definitely know, yeah. drove through Freak Nick. <laughs> yes, you know what I'm saying? Yes. I definitely yeah. saw the festivities and had to kind of like take that in as a young man. So um, yeah, it was interesting, very interesting. And then you know, both my parents are Rasta. Oh, so wow. that you okay. know, I, I didn't eat meat. You know what I'm saying at all growing up. Except oh, so fish. you were on this shit before it would even oh, yeah. before, before it even got popular, was, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All okay. we ate was fish. You know, we knew all of the like the little vegetarian spots or places that sold anything that was considered vegetarian. Right. It was like a network. Like you had to know. You know oh I mean? yeah. It's much easier in New York than it was in Atlanta for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, That's was, interesting. Yeah, but there was a lot of spots down here, and, and then you know, getting into the Jamaican community down here that was kind of slowly building. Right. And kind of finding those people to accommodate those diets was something that we definitely had to rely on mm. um, until it became widespread. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of different layers to the perspective that I had um, coming to Atlanta. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's dope, man. I definitely want to ask, like, what can you spot out or remember the biggest differences between the cultures? And because New York has always been a place to us, and I feel like to the world. Cause I remember my first time going to New York, yeah, um, and being able to go to these little, little whatever, yeah. you know, little Italy, <clears throat> little <throat> Jamaica, little, little China, all that. like, and China really town, feeling that. like I was in the culture of these places. To where now you're coming to Atlanta, where we're just now kind of slowly building this shit up, mm-hmm. 
I guess I guess Buford Highway would be yeah yeah like, kind of mixture of uh, Asian and yeah, you know, yeah. Latino and I feel like culture still and Hispanic not, culture. We still not at a place where it's as prominent as New York is or L.A. Yeah, or even L.A. Yeah, so like, what what did you notice or how did you feel coming into it? Did you feel like you had to start over? Like, yo, this shit is really not well, up to speed. It's, inter- <laughs> it's interesting too, right? Because New York, okay, so for New York. You have all these different type of people, but mm-hmm. you also have just as much diversity uh, when you're looking at it from a perspective of like black people. So you have, you know, African people, you have Caribbean people, that's Trinidadians, Haitians, Jamaicans. Then you have people, you know, regular African-Americans, people that's been in New York for generations, people that migrated from the South, mm-hmm. you have Puerto Ricans, you know, Afro-Latina, uh, you know what I mean? You, you have so many different, you have uh, African descendant people from Panama, from Costa Rica, you know, Garifina mm-hmm. people. You have so many different kinds of people that we are just at that point we are just black. You get what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, a, yeah. A cultural understanding. You have so many different movements for when you talk about liberation, whether it's the Nation of Islam, whether it's the Hebrew Israelites, whether it's uh, um, you know uh, the UNIA with Marcus Garvey. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. All of those lineages are in in that city. So for us, or for me rather, coming to Atlanta because I, I didn't know nothing about the South pretty much. I'm a kid. I'm thinking. You know, when they said Atlanta, I'm thinking it's the KKK, but yeah. you know, my mom and my father were savvy enough to know that Atlanta was a black city. Mm, and that was yeah. one of the reasons why they wanted to come here. So for me, I think as an adult looking back, I would say that it was it was an interesting it was interesting because it was mostly white and black in this city. But Atlanta is definitely a bastion in the south of of black upward mobility. And it's one of the only places where you see the differences in class, not along color lines. So you have a black mm-hmm. middle class, black upper class, mm-hmm. and a black lower class, and that's mm-hmm. that's just what it is in the city. So that was, I think, that was interesting to see. That was interesting to kind of buck up on because in New York, you know, you have almost like these warring factions, right? You have these labor unions in New York where everybody's kind of fighting for their place, and a, and a lot of those labor unions are along color lines. So you pretty much have like, you know, people think about the mafia. And they yeah. think of, you know, organized crime. But really, you're talking about these labor unions, right, that the mafia controlled. You're talking about Italians right. mm-hmm. yeah. taking control of the city pr- pretty much. And you have other ethnicities that are pretty much fighting for their place in, in, in that. You know what I mean? So what else? It was the Jamaicans in Brooklyn. You know, everybody know about the Jamaicans running Brooklyn. And we what we did is carved out a, a space for ourselves, essentially. And cooperated with the people that we could naturally cooperate with was other black people. Yeah. Was coming mm-hmm. here to Atlanta was like... This is like y'all y'all built this shit, you know, in in a way, you know, mm. sort of, yeah. But yeah. they wasn't as familiar, I would say, with other black, black cultures. Yeah. So it was definitely it was it was kind of it was definitely some rejection there, you know, mm-hmm. or some misunderstandings there. I would say, but for me, you know, I never looked at any other kind of black people as not my people. So for mm. me, it was just like, okay, this is just. This is just a situation where we just gonna have to learn about each other and just and just like it. Mm-hmm. But I've met some some of the most amazing people in Atlanta. Atlanta has been very good to me. You know, That's I love I love the culture down here. Okay. That's what's up, man. So I put some questions together, man, just doing the research on you, and I just want to start off with how did you get into music? What was your journey like to you know creating? So that starts before I was even born. My, oh. So my okay, so my father, my father was a, a reggae artist and then reggae producer later on. 
but he pretty much he was doing i mean music was his thing that's just what he mm. did you know um and that was his love his passion and so you know he he always had my my older brother <clears throat> my older brother jabula who's on the spectrum he kind of kept close and taught him how to produce and so my older brother was like the golden kid that's like his was a nickname and he mm-hmm. was a, he was a producer so I was always around him producing, and then my other older brother, Nashawn, he was kind of like, he was a rapper. He was the one that put me on to all the rappers in New York. Like, you know, whether it was Biggie, whether it was Nas, which is like his favorite rapper, like he he had all the underground tapes. He used to listen to Stretching by Beto. I was just a little kid. I just wanted to play Star Fox. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, I, but because I'm getting this education from him, so he's so into hip-hop. Yeah. My father's more reggae, more, yeah. you know, dub, more, you know, rock, sky, all that. So yeah. it's like, I'm 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 kind of just getting it without I I have no choice in the matter yeah. you know what I mean you just yeah. around it yeah, you I'm gotta just, soak it in I'm at just this around point it. and like when they found out that I could rhyme they was looking at me like yo where this come from come on mm. you know for me it was it was um, DMX was the first person that really spoke to me as a kid because wow. he wasn't same like you know for me I was listening to a lot of rhymes and and it wasn't. It felt shallow, but I was a kid, so what did I know, right? Yeah. But to me, it felt shallow. But when I heard, you know, DMX because he, he got so big in the mainstream, and he was talking about like real issues, he was really coming from the heart. I kind of related to him more. Okay. And that's what you know. And it was the passion. You know, I'm an Aries, so I'm real fiery. So just that passion, <laughs> like for real, you know. So no, like, me too. Oh, yeah. I am too. Oh, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. Hey, look, shout out. I knew. You know, shout out to him. But <laughs> but it was the passion that got me. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Um. And so that's what made me kind of pick up and, and kind of play around with rhymes. And, you know, of course, I would be in school and, and, and acting like other rapid rhymes was mine and memorizing verses and just writing my own shit. And, and um, yeah, man, it started at the at, at the lunch table like everybody else. I respect it, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Two pencils and, and, hey, man, and, your, and your palms. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I respect that, man. That's dope as hell, dude. I I. I've always wondered, you know, how it was coming coming up in a family that actually had musical background. My dad had a, a small piece of musical background too. He um did the promotions for Big Cat Records, which mm. is where, you know, Gucci and all yeah, of them yeah. and Jeezy came from. Um, so I've always been curious as to see and hear about people who had musical backgrounds, whether it be their parents or brothers, sisters and shit like that. So that's dope as hell, and you and your Aries at the same time. So, being around music, I think you just soak it in. That's dope as hell too. So, that's cool as shit, man. Uh, so, I want to know what what kind of music was playing. Like, what's the texture of mm. of your life around this time? Like, coming from New York, coming into Atlanta, was there a big difference in music being played when you walk outside? Like, what do you hear as you're growing up in these places? So, it was a lot of reggae. Like, a lot. Like, <laughs> a lot of Barris Hammond, yeah. a lot of Sizzler, a lot of Capleton, mm-hmm. a lot of Fred Locks. Um, just all kind of reggae that you could possibly think of. And then I'm seeing these people because, my, you know, again, my father did music. Yeah. yeah. He practically knows everybody. Damn. But, um I didn't know any of these people. I'm just, again, I'm just a yeah, kid. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, he's throwing concerts and I'm seeing these people perform. Um, That's crazy. And with my brother, it was, again, he was really into hip hop. So it was a lot of, you know, up north. Like like I said, Nas, Wu-Tang for sure. Um, 
you know, a little bit of Jay-Z here and there, but mostly Nas, Mob mm-hmm. Deep. You know, he was he was from Brooklyn, but he was definitely listening to a lot of Queens, Queens. artists. Yeah. <laughs> for whatever reason, that. that was my brother, for yeah. whatever reason. So yeah. it was a lot of that. But then, funny enough, you know, when we moved to Georgia, okay. <clears throat> you know, we lived in this apartment complex and we, you know, we basically met the only other Jamaicans in the apartment <laughs> complex. Because they kind of had ties to some people that my mom knew. Bro, how do y'all do that? How do yeah, Jamaicans always find always other Jamaicans? I don't know. How the fuck? It's the network, man. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be like extremely, like as soon as y'all move in. It's the network. And that may be across different cultures. Like even for Asian cultures, it's, it yeah, seems for, like. For, for, for Mexican people. As yeah, well. bro. Like as soon as they come to any other place, it's easy it's for them to just. Yo, like, look, but community you know unity, though. Yeah, not man. to get off subject, but like, I and this is just me, like my opinion. I feel like African Americans do the same thing. Like, if you study, if you look back and study the Great Migration, yeah. that's how yeah. it happened. Yeah. It was like yeah. they didn't move. Yeah. Like, if, if we was a family from Mississippi and you moved to Chicago, you got with other families that, that was moved from yeah. Mississippi. Exactly. You get what exactly. I'm saying? Yeah. So that was it's, it's like a thing in our culture, yeah. just in general, that we're gonna yeah. link up with our people. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Sociology but, 101. <clears throat> But I got up, we got up with some of these, like I said, the other, only other Jamaicans in the complex. Right. And they started putting us on to like No Limit. Mm. And, oh, and, damn. You know okay. what I'm saying? And, um, yeah, what? Like, <laughs> yo, shout out to my cousin Mike. Like he, all he listened to was Master P and, and Mr. Cool and, and like all of them, just all of them. I'm, I like, for me, a lot of those Southern artists are like, some of the best MCs to me. Like Fiend is an MC to me. Yeah. You know, Project Pat, I put him up with any other MC. Yeah, like, me too. Those rhyme patterns and rhyme schemes are so intricate and so detailed. Like sometimes when people talk about lyricists from the South, I won't get too off subject, man, but like like people like Phil Mob, like Oh bro, I'm take like, it, please take it there, bro. We're <laughs> not even talking about the women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think some of the best women in the game were definitely Southern motherfuckers. Absolutely. Le chat little chat and motherfucking yo. gangster. Absolutely, bro. Yeah, what that chopping style? And see, bro, and just to kind of relate it to my upbringing, you know, during that time as well, dancehall was really, really big, mm. and a lot of people don't know the uh, the roots of hip hop actually comes from you know Jamaica, right? With DJ yeah. Cool Herc, him mm. bringing That's that true. Yeah. Uh, up to, to to New York, and you know, there was so it's interesting, right? Okay, so this part of the culture of hip hop was was very big. In, in Jamaica because in Jamaica Jamaica didn't get its independence until 1962 and so essentially you had two political parties that used to be labor unions vying for control of, of the country one mm-hmm. was more capitalist was you know they were more allied with the CIA mm-hmm. one was more socialist Social. it was more ally- allied with Cuba and, and mm-hmm. um, KGB mm-hmm. and you know they was fighting for influence on the island so one of the things they would do is you know, on a nefarious tip is that, you know, you would have like CIA operatives come in and training um, some of these gangs right. um, and giving them guns and stuff like that. And then on the other side, kind of the same deal. But one of the things they would do is they would have these these uh, public battles, essentially, called sound clashes. Oh, yeah. And it would be, you will have one sound system that was allied with one political party and mm-hmm. another sound system allied with another political party. I never knew that time was political. Out, time out. So they... Yeah, so they it, it really was yeah, political so they, like that. Yeah, it was political. And they would battle and they would they would play the different sound systems and then you'll have different essentially MCs that would get on the mic and they would, you know, they would chant 
and they would battle each other. Like, it, you know, it's a, it's a showmanship, right? Like, we was just talking about verses. Yeah. And and that little, that's literally the, the way that they were bantering and acting is exactly how it would be. But you're talking about different neighborhoods vying for influence because it was the difference between that neighborhood getting um, um, resources and support from the government and yeah. them not getting resources and support. So it was very real to them. And, and this is how they would go up against each other and battle and da, da, da. So you had a lot of that sound system culture in Jamaica and that chanting culture and being on the mic and cutting up and, you know, saying little little phrases yeah, and little words. Just to and get under the skin of the other yeah. opponent. Exactly. Because yeah. you knew was, your livelihood depended on it. Exactly. Right. That's crazy. I did not know that. Because we've had <laughs> yeah, sound clashes with Red Bull in Atlanta. Like, mm. Atlanta's had those, and they were heavy Jamaica reggae influence. Like, Talking over the mic as the music yeah. played, like cutting yeah. in and out, like hyping up the crowd, crowd control, all of that shit we seen last night with Versus and Jada, man, that yeah. nigga was not playing. Yeah. So that, that, <laughs> that culture was already familiar to me. And so like yeah. dancehall music was, again, it was, it was kind of blowing up in the 90s mm -hmm. and just the style. Right, you you have to really be in tune with patois and the language yeah, you to, yeah. to, to understand. And yeah. I didn't know that as a kid, cause I'm like, oh, we speak English, but yeah. we clearly don't, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and so, man, that shit is so influential, dog. Like, I I can't tell you when I I, I How first many dog when I first ran into I think it was a chick from New Orleans. She was from New Orleans, and that shit was so beautiful. She instantly was a ten in my motherfucking head just because mm. of how she was talking, but. When I heard that shit being an Atlanta nigga, when I heard that shit for the first time, like that will never escape my brain. And then right. ever since then, like I've of course listened to Jamaican music, like Duppy Gun is like my shit. Cause yeah. they've somehow put electronic music into Jamaican music, which really ain't somehow. That shit really started there, to be honest with you. Like the way that they mix music, I loved it so much because I had never heard it done like that before so then i started just diving into jamaican music and fucking reggae music all together of course you know you got your bob marley's that's how we mostly get introduced but for me it was duppy gun yeah like duppy gun and uh jabbar and all of those dudes like i was into that shit and and ever since then like that kind of helped me get into jungle music dnb drum and bass and then you know I'm playing video games and right. I'm hearing the influence in video games. But that games. stuff, the, the the I mean, especially Jungle has that influence as well. Yeah, like, yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. Dub or yeah. you know, sound system kind of thing with the toasting and all that. Yeah, and lick you, shots. And so, to kind of piggyback off what you're saying, right? Like, okay, so J people forget that Jamaica was a British colony. Yes, mm, right. Yes. So our connection to to Britain and that whole empire is strong. Mm -hmm. You get what I mean? Like we have Indians in Jamaica because of the reach of the British Empire. Mm. And so like you was talking about jungle and drum and bass and all that stuff, you know, these are basically African people and, and you know, Caribbean born African people going to the, the center of the empire, London, and influencing Europe through, that, through that, musical influence. You get yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But a lot of what we did in Jamaica as well, not for nothing, came from America as well because we're listening to jazz. We're listening mm -hmm. to, to bebop. Mm -hmm. We're listening to, to blues and, and all that influence as well. So yeah. like, Black music in general, man, it, it travels so far and the reach is so wide that I don't think I don't think people truly understand and appreciate it. And I was That's I was I was saying that to say like again, when I came here to Atlanta and I'm hearing 
like you said, those New Orleans accents with from No Limit or from from Cash Money. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing Project Pat. I'm hearing Three Six Mafia. I'm hearing these accents and these dialects. It was easy for me to assimilate because from that dancehall background, from that reggae background, for me it was just another dialect. dialect. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it, and and some of those words and the way that y'all flip y'all words and showing words and put stuff together, it sounds so similar to how we talk. It was like, oh, okay, I get it. Especially when you talk about music, right? Because mm -hmm. if you listen to you listen to dancehall, it's like the way that they chop their words is very similar to me yeah. to my ear. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. I can see that. So um, I had another question. Could you tell us like when you um, transitioned into filmmaking? Yeah, that as was a, a creator, I guess. I, I want to say that was probably more gradual. Um, I started doing videos and stuff. Well, I was actually already kind of playing around with video stuff because my father, my father, man. <laughs> sometimes I don't know if he get enough credit for how innovative and thinking that he was because even even when we was young like when computers first started coming out he bought like a gateway like he was like i'm mm. gonna sit down and learn this thing you know my father's one of the first people i've ever seen live stream you know dj sets on like justin tv or stuff like you know Damn. wow on you screen and stuff like that and i used to look at him like he was crazy like what are you doing bro like, yeah nobody's Nobody's gonna watch this. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are watching live streams on Versus, right? Yeah. So my dad was really Twitch. big into like burgeoning technology. Um, and so, I, you know, I would always play around with the camera and things like that. Um, and eventually one day I literally, you know, directed and shot like my own video for myself. I sat down, didn't know how to edit, didn't know what the hell I was doing, and stayed up all night just cutting and editing my own video, you know, mm. syncing up the words and just doing the whole nine. And I think that's when I caught the bug. That was probably like late 2000s, like 07, 08, something around there. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And that's so pretty, been, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been, and so I've been doing it ever since, man. Just doing, really just doing music videos and stuff like that. Like around the time we met, yeah. a little bit after that, um, you know, Truth had bought a camera. He had a T2i. And that's when DSLRs was like starting to get really big. And mm -hmm. everybody started shooting their own music videos and stuff. Mm -hmm. And literally, man, um, from then on is when I really kind of started taking it serious, serious and, mm. and doing music videos for a lot of different artists on the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what's up, man. Because, I mean, we've seen, we've went through the catalog so far and it's shown how much time you put into it. Like, the quality is there. Um, my my favorite part has been the angle so far, like, mm. how you capture the shots. Um, and the coffee, the coffee, um, content and the uh Those the enthusiast the coffee enthusiast was my favorite one for I sure that, and his storytelling ability was amazing because i had never known the backstory until you captured it so yeah no nah, i was fired dude appreciate I, that I man. With it. and yeah and shout out to div man um you know who i was interviewing on that video and shout out to all, a lot of the artists that i've worked with and creatives that i work with because you know i try to really find the thing that makes them tick or the thing that makes them uh, uh, move as a creative and, and just springboard off of that. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like a lot of what I do is just observe yeah. and kind of figure out perspective. Like I feel like perspective is everything. Yeah. And, same here. and you can really like fine tune that visually. Yeah. You know, when you're doing like music is one thing because you're only thinking about audio. You're only thinking about how you're saying it, the mm -hmm. way it sounds, what frequency, mm -hmm. With visuals, it's like you have to take into account everything, like visuals, audio, color, like ev like everything, you know. And so for me, it's like it's like the ultimate form of creation. Yeah, because mm. you have to figure out a way to 
tangibly make that like right. as a as an MC or as a poet or as a writer your words can do that and you just let the imagination do the rest mm. you can let that imagination do 90% of it as long right. as you got the words but to visually do this shit in the in the cap and to capture people visually and for it to match up with how wild their imagination can be that takes a lot yeah it takes a hell of a lot. I respect filmmakers. I grew up on films. Like, films damn near raised me mm. um, along with music. So, along with the words and the visuals, like, I would sit there and just dig through films day in and day out as a, as a teenager. Yeah. And my love for art, my love for architecture and frames and how things are shot and seeing things as frames and color theory and all this other shit came yeah. from just sitting down and watching films all the time picking up game as a man, how to be as a human, how, you know, through history films, how fucked up we could be as humans, mm-hmm. um, from religion and how and, and things that we developed to keep keep us hinged as humans. Like a lot of that came from film. Right. Like a lot of that came from watching the perspective of other people, other humans. Absolutely. Me, so yeah. And I feel like too, like um, you know, as I've matured as a filmmaker, you know, I really didn't have my center because I was so focused on trying to learn the craft, mm. right? I had my center as an artist, um, as, a, as a musical artist, but not necessarily as a filmmaker yet. But these last, I would say these last five or six years is when I really kind of started to hone in is because I rediscovered, you know, my African heritage. Because, mm. I, you know, growing up as a roster, I knew I was African before I knew I was Jamaican. Like, that's just like, I just knew. Like, mm-hmm. and everybody around me that was black, I was like, yeah, yeah, we all African. You know what I mean? Like, I just had that understanding. Mm-hmm. So I didn't never, I never really took the time to kind of dive into it because I kind of like felt like I already knew. But as I got older, I realized that like, it's not common that everyone doesn't feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone doesn't value the culture the same way. And so I kind of wanted to dig deeper um, into the culture much more than just you know, it was a lot of focus on Egypt. There's a lot of focus on slavery. And I'm like, okay, but like, how do we get here? Right. You know yeah. what I mean? And I wanted yeah. to understand what was it like before we were here. Mm-hmm. And so once I started really digging deeper into African history and kind of finding my place as a filmmaker, I started to really understand what I was doing and why I was doing it. And so like, for instance, there's, there's, you know, oral historians in African culture, you know, there's a word for it in Senegal called uh, griots. And so once I kind of started looking at myself from that lens, it was easier for me to understand the tools that I had and, and what stories I wanted to tell and how I wanted to tell them. You know, mm. once you start learning African um, mythology, once you start learning about African culture and African history, you kind of understand what I would say is African philosophy, right? You understand the perspective of Africans and how they viewed the world, how they interacted with the world. Mm. And so I kind of try to draw from that lens, from a humanistic lens, um, and try to show that. You know what I mean? And so as a filmmaker, man, I I would say, honestly, in the last five or six years that I've matured so much, you know, to kind of take off the constraints of me doubting myself when I was younger and trying to learn the craft and trying to learn the angles and rules of third and all of that and just start creating. Mm. Mm. So that, that's kind of where I'm at right now, really. And I'm still still evolving, still learning, still growing into that, but... That's where I draw from. I, I draw from my ancestors for sure. Do you see any similarities in uh, creation of music versus creation of, uh, you know, your filmmaking? Yeah. Um, I would say 
I would say I want people to feel something at all times, regardless if it's music or films. I want to feel something. Like the best movies to me make you feel something. Mm. You get what I mean? Um, that that asks questions that also, you know doesn't always have a, a um, an easy, answer. Yeah, an, yeah, an answer or an easy answer. Or make you ask questions. Oh, it makes you ask questions. You yeah. Know? I, I I like philosophy. You know. Same. Yeah. Psychology. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that a lot. And so I try to look for those kind of moments. Um, and that's one of the reasons I was taking the DMX, you know, to understand his story. Mm-hmm. Um, even Eminem, when I was started listening to him, you know, after DMX, it's, it's really, it, for me, it was more like the, the mythos of the character. Like, like, like these rappers to me were like Greek gods almost, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or African deities. It's like knowing their stories was just as important as the music. So yeah. I think I think with with music and film, it's really just what what I'm what story am I telling? You know, mm. what story am I telling, and what feeling am I going for? And I think that's usually the main question I ask myself in, when I'm creating either one, music or or film. Okay. And storytelling is so important. A lot of people don't know how to do it, because um, there's like a whole class on just storytelling in general and how to actually tell a proper story. Um, and it sucks because once you figure out the art of storytelling and you kind of know how it builds, you see it every fucking where. Like at a certain <laughs> point, I try to even turn it off because I can't even enjoy a movie anymore because I already know oh, the fucking story. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, like, dude, like it's it's like a, it's like a, I don't know. It's like putting on a certain type of glasses or a certain type of lens. It's like, yo, okay, I've seen, I've heard of Humpty Dumpty. I know the history of Humpty Dumpty. And we all know the history of Humpty Dumpty and how the story goes. And you just see that in films. You hear it in books. Like, you just start to peep it. And it's hard to turn the shit off because you, like I said, you know how it's going to play out at the end. You know when he's going to fall at some point. And the content creators, whether it be big-ass studios or small-time content creators, they're all using the same templates. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's the same story. It's just... Who can tell it in a very extravagant way at this point? Or how can we get this message across? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, it, and and that's one of the reasons, like, for me, like, the reason I focus so much on African history is because it's like, yo, I think sometimes when we talk about this, like, I don't know, we get so caught up in, like, the mechanisms of society, you know, oh, upper yeah. class, lower class. Agreed. You oh, know, yeah. we, we get so caught up in, you know, even when we talk about it as black people, it's like, well, African, so African. And and it's these these quick one sentence. And I'm like, yo, do you realize that there was a family, right, that lived in an area or a city, a metropolitan city in Africa, and, you know, there was sisters and brothers and cousins and, and, and a whole clanship and lineage, and they loved each other, and they farmed, and they did this and did that. And this little boy who probably was going to get initiated to be an ironsmith or something got snatched up and taken away from his mom and father who he probably loved. And, and this mother is now grieving for the fact that she don't know where her son, son is. is yeah. And her son that got carried across the water is your great, 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 uh, great grandfather. Do oh, you get what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yeah. like these yeah, are yeah, human yeah. beings that we're talking yeah. about. You know, Origin we're stores. so caught up being here yeah. in, yeah. This, you know, in, in this convenience. Yeah. Um, Very comfortable. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's just it's just we living in a lap of luxury or trying to get yeah. there, yeah. not realizing yeah. that. Oh, compared to other cultures and countries, man, we definitely here. Like we, the the 
the the shit that we dealing with right now compared to other places is is far I mean, beyond shit. comfortable. Even France, man, France right now they doing the whole thing with the the thing, you know. Yeah. Like far beyond comfortable. I mean, that's our that's our common enemy right now is that, but before this whole shit popped off in 2020, yeah. which we'll definitely get to because we, we were curious how everyone got through that for sure period and how we're getting through that period. Um, but before that, man, this shit, we really don't have... When you don't have problems, you start to create problems. And a lot of our problems are, are inbound right now. Like the battle of the sexes and... You know, the shit we dealing with, with division. Yeah, the, just identity politics and like all the shit that we're dealing with right now, we can afford to do that. Like but, we can afford to have those problems. But I think one of our main problems is not knowing our history. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like, no, like you've been talking about, you know, knowing who you are as a Jamaican, as somebody from Brooklyn, as somebody from here now and putting all those things together and taking it back. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and then learning yeah. who that part of me is, yeah. or that part of you is, or yeah. that part of us are, yeah. we are. You know what I'm saying, and I and I think when 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 we're over here, like we got our whole culture taken away. You know, there is no black town. It's it's yeah. it's the hood. You know yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. And I think um, like when you came and you linked up with the Jamaicans here, only other Jamaicans in the apartment complex, like y'all created that link, yeah. and I think. I agree with you when you said that's a part of us that we all have to come together and link up because we do. Yeah, we do. We all yeah. we all get together and link up. But I think there are some of us who are lost who link up and we link up in lostness. Yeah, and our yeah. loss. Agree. I agree. I agree, and I think <clears throat> it's difficult because you know this is we're dealing with something that's active, and I think oftentimes we think it's reclusive and it's not. You know, we're dealing with something that is actively trying to guarantee that we don't click up. And, yes. you know, it's it's hard to see that when you're in the belly of empire, right? Exactly. Because, you know, like, we used to be colonies of European powers, and everything that we produced, right, this was literally built by merchants. Everything that we produced was to feed those, those, those nations, those countries, uh, those kingdoms in Europe. And, you know, once America kind of broke off from the yoke of, of British imperialism, so to speak, you know, they started to build out their own empire and started mm -hmm. to build, right. build other ways of, of creating revenue and, and to build up their, their country. And so we oftentimes don't realize that, like, some of the luxuries that we love and know in America is coming from the places where black people live and, and, and thrive and strive. You know what I'm saying? Bauxite. Yeah, yeah, yo, right, right. I just saw some about bauxite and how the 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 fucking Reynolds rap people was doing this 1950s uh commercial like dun 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 dun. dun. Mm -hmm. Welcome to Jef uh you know Jamaica, beautiful Jamaica, where you could take a vacation, mm -hmm. and down the street niggas is making aluminum foil right. and sending it to fucking America, right. and it's just like wow. And it's and it's, it's sometimes I feel like I don't know if people realize what they say when they're like this is the greatest country ever it's like yeah it is but but why it's eating yeah. you know what I'm yeah. Like, yeah. do you know why it's the yeah. greatest country ever you know yeah. what I'm saying and sometimes it's like that that connection is not there it's just like it's disconnected like yeah. yo 90% of, of coltan and cobalt like comes from the Congo you know what I'm saying yeah. 
And like without that coltan or and cobalt and the other minerals, like we wouldn't have computer chips. You know, we yeah. wouldn't have uh, iPhones and, right. and and Androids. Like you know what I'm saying? Like it's like I sometimes I don't think people understand how deep this shit really is. Yeah. You just know the final <laughs> you know result. I mean? That's like, it. They just know the final yeah. result because we get to eat off of it. But in order for you to eat off something, in order for for that baby to be fed, the mother has to eat. And this mother, this culture, this country is eating off of. A lot of people has eaten. A lot of people has eaten. A lot of countries has eaten. A lot of us. Oh yeah, right still now. is right now. But in order for it to feed us, it's had it's, to eat. Yeah, it's yeah. had decades to do so. It's had Shit. years to do so. So for a very long time, it's been eating a lot of motherfuckers. And that's really where I come from with it. It's just I just want people to see them themselves as human. Mm, that's what deep. I'm saying? Mm. Like it, this is you. Like you know, when you look at Jamaicans, you're not looking at other people. You're looking at yourself. Yes. You know what I mean? You're, we're looking at ourselves. You know, yes. when we look at Americans, when we look at Africans, when we look at people from Panama, like we're looking at ourselves. You mm. know, there are people from America who left and went to Haiti in the Dominican Republic when Haiti won its freedom, you know, mm-hmm. and they were Americans from Philly and they they still have generations of family down there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like you you have you have people that migrated all the time and they never stopped migrating. This was always a big pot of black people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think people understand that, you know, yeah. that we were all fighting this thing called slavery together. There Shoot. were free people who were fighting as abolitionists in England yeah. and then in America, you know what I'm saying? The Somerset case in the 1700s. And then there was people like my lineage uh, what, that I come from on my mom and my father's side of the Maroons in Jamaica who literally escaped the plantation and fought the British mm. and won. You get what I'm saying? Man, that's so, powerful, man. Yes, that's really powerful. That's in you, man. That that's that, that's yeah. in your DNA strength, right. man. Pumping. And meanwhile, you know what I'm saying? In Florida, you have, you know, Saint Saint Augustine, um, Florida, you had a uh, Fort Mose. You know, you had the black Seminoles who were yeah. fighting against yeah. the British or you know, with support from the Spanish. So yeah. I'm saying all of that to say like this was a multifaceted, like multi layered like war. Yeah. You know, like, it was yeah. black people fighting for the liberation of the black people. Yeah. And I think oftentimes when we allow them to like frame our narrative, we look exactly. at it as if they were the, the liberators and it never went that way. Mm-hmm. And all I'm trying to do as a filmmaker is hopefully one day be able to kind of like put that story together so people can see. You know, I, I pay attention to scholars like Dr. Greg Carr. I read a lot of books from people like Gerald Horn mm. and and they, you know, Dr. Greg Carr, for instance, he, you know, he's head of Africana studies at Howard University. So mm. these people, like, this is what they do. You know, they've been in this fight. When you start talking about black history and, and the education system in America, these are the people who are who fighting are the fight. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, these yeah. are the teachers that made sure that some of that stuff was added to the curriculum. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think that we you know, give those educators the, the light that they need. And, oh, um, for sure. Well, there's a conversation about who we're worship or uh, giving our energy to. Like, we give our energy to, how about this? We don't glorify the intellectuals in our community. Yeah. Mm. We glorify... The the intellectual or yo okay let's let's I mean, call it the entertainers yeah we're yeah, yeah, gonna yeah, call yeah. them the the ones who make it look cool but we, I feel like there's a good intersection for all of that the Venn diagram um, yeah I feel like there's a good middle place for all of that to happen because it takes a certain amount of intellect to even get to a point of entertainment mm. um, to be even to even be a hip hop artist or a rapper to get to yeah. those places it, it takes, takes a certain amount at least. Effort. Interpersonal skill, a little bit of interpersonal and a lot of social to know who to keep around you, to know who to hire, to know 
where to go, where not to go. And to frame the conversation. Because really what I think the role of our intellectuals is to frame that conversation. I don't think that we would devalue our own culture as much as we do if we frame that conversation. So even the way we talk. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like usually we're not like like how about this? I think like Rolling Stone has said Beyonce has the best she's she's the the best she has the best music video ever. Nobody told you to take Michael Jackson out the picture. That nigga started music videos. Like, like, what are yeah. we talking about? Right, yeah. right. I saw that on the show that I watch, and uh, they brought up that argument. I was like, yeah. But it always seems to be. Yeah. It seems like there only has to be one. It's like y'all only Th- get one saying. slot. Same like we are gonna move this nigga out the way. <laughs> we are gonna put Beyonce here. But if y'all want somebody else, you gotta move Beyonce yeah. out of the way. Yeah. It's like it's only room. For a few of you niggas, it's not going to be that many of y'all. It's right, only going to be right. room for a few. And that's, and that's another thing, too. I'm glad you said that, man. Because, like, for me, I'm not, as, as a filmmaker, right, I'm not too much interested in um, in this particular, uh, 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 how do I put it? I don't even want to say the word system. Society? In this, in this, in this Atmosphere, really. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. We, we know who controls right. This, right. this now. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think sometimes sure. because Hollywood, you know, Hollywood and, and American media is so powerful that we sometimes get stuck in this one place. Yes. And there's like yeah. a whole world out there of other people that I think sometimes we just like reject or just like ignore. Yeah. You know we think I mean? it's bootleg. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so like, even if you look at the numbers, right? Like the numbers in America, like for instance, there's only like what, 329 million people give or take, something like that, right? In mm. Nigeria alone, it is 200 million black people, right? You know what and, I'm saying? Like, And then there's the rest of the continent, man. Right. And Nollywood, That's crazy. Nollywood is like the third, sometimes second biggest movie industry in the world, right? But mm. you don't hear those type of statistics. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah, and so therefore you don't even care, you don't even think about yeah. it. Yeah. To, to even think to make a movie for Nollywood. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you just get 10 million people in in, in Nigeria to, to watch, watch your, your film, shit, you, done yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you don't even think of it like and that. you don't even just, have to be a part of the American the Western and, stratosphere. Yo, you don't even have to the, it don't even matter. And Netflix, Nolly, Nolly right. flicks. You know what I mean? And then so you have you have this you have Asia and and Africa and, yeah. and even Europe yes. that are kind of like taking in each other's content. And here we are in America thinking that oh well we the, we shit. the Every, biggest everybody ones. Oh, Meanwhile, yes. Afrobeat is like the biggest one of the biggest yeah. genres in the world. Yeah, you get what I'm saying? Oh, of yeah. course. And they play that everywhere. Everywhere. You yeah. know. So I just I I, I think. You know, when it comes to that, like you said, like this is who they allow. They only yeah. want one. Yeah. I was like, well, fuck, fuck, fuck who they want. For real, I really yeah. don't care about this particular industry. Like, yeah. I love Atlanta in particular because, man, this is one of the greatest places for black creators that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Definitely. It's I, slowly dwindling down. I mean, I, I've heard some things about even Castleberry. Like, it's just, it's an interesting time for this motherfucking place. I, think, I will say that. I think that eventually the cities is going to be under a certain control. You know what I mean? To where you're going to be either you're going to be in this thing or you're going to be out of this thing. And I think as creatives, all I can do is speak for myself. Yeah, yeah, no. You know, to speak for myself, I need a certain amount of freedom or a certain type of freedom. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, I think the cities especially during, you know, the pandemic, there were shortages on stuff. Right. So many people, they have to go to this one grocery store in this particular zone, you yeah. know, like 
what's going to happen when everything's not available for everybody? You That's know true. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then there's not a lot of room to to grow your own or to do your own thing yeah. unless you're creative with that, That's you know? True. I've seen in other countries like um, Vietnam where they've mandated every skyscraper has to have like 30% of, of, of uh, natural greenery growing off oh, of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. So nah. they're forcing their... You know the builders there and the architects there to develop those new standards of living with yeah. with with green. Yeah, you know with food yeah. from, from the building. Like yeah. this is a thing that I think America is not a forward thinking place. Yeah, because I think we've had our head up our ass for yeah. so long, yeah. and um, we haven't thought about that. You know yeah. those things because we've had so much space. We've had, you know. Yeah. picking the fruits off of other countries labor and shit yeah. like that so yeah yeah we we were definitely gluttonous <laughs> very I gluttonous fucking i think for country. us though i think it's important as black people that we kind of understand our network and create those those safe those havens things. and those yeah. places yeah. you know what i mean um because like the ideas that you're coming that you're talking about are like innovative and amazing and i think instead of us looking at ourselves as a part of this american experiment if we all looked at ourselves as 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 you know a unit, you know what I mean, different and a part of that. Right, right. Yes. We're diverse. We're different. We have different skill sets and different attributes, but we're all kind of coming together for the same thing. I think it would be a much different conversation, and I think that a lot of that's already happening right now. Right. You know what I'm Especially saying? Especially now, man. Yeah. Like, like one the- of my dreams, honestly, in you know next five or ten years, I hope to um, definitely be more connected in Jamaica. Some of the things I'm working on now. Um, and be more connected in, in Ghana. Like I want to settle in Ghana. I want to buy some land. Mm-hmm. Like I mm. want to create a town um, specifically to incubate like film ideas and like film locations and mm. you know like studios like this and like just yeah. a place where people can come and like create you right. know I mean? like a self sustainable environment for creatives. Like I want to create that. You know what I mean? <clears throat> I want people to be comfortable enough to take a trip over there and, and know that they'll have a safe place to stay and and create some dope shit. Like I mm. want, I want, I'm, I hope and I pray. And I think even without me doing, I think that people are forward thinking and are doing it mm-hmm. to have places where we can go in like fucking Colombia and, and Panama shit, and Costa Brazil, Rica, all these places, Costa man. Rica and go and just chill out and create some dope ass content. And um, yeah. so I'm, that's my mission. That's yeah. what I'm pushing for. Is that know? I create arts mission? Cause that's yes. one of the questions. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It is. You know, I want to, I want to definitely implement some of these things. Um, before proclaiming it, but that's absolutely my mission. You know what I mean? I'm 33, you know, who knows how much time I got, you know what I'm saying? And and, and I want to do that. I want to make sure that I dedicate as much time as I have left to doing that because ultimately that's going to curate the thing that I want to see. If I don't do it, I know that by providing that type of environment that 10, 20, 30, 40 years, somebody, somebody. is going to complete. Power of the tongue is real, man. So we're going to proclaim that shit right now. It's hey, definitely happening. Hey, man. The bridge. Yeah, yeah. man. We definitely the we putting that in the air um, as much as possible. What up? Um, so we talking about being a part of something else, not being a part of this house that they created. Yeah. So we talked about tone vision, tone yes. division the last time me and you got together. Yeah. Mm. And um, if I'm, hope I'm not mistaken, but you have a type of ownership in that. Yeah, so I, I co-own it with, um, so shout out to Alfred Nomad. Shout out to, uh, to Greg Nice, DJ Greg Nice, mm. um, and the whole Love Collective, period. But 
So me, Alfred Nomad, and DJ Greg Nice, you know, we have ownership and tone. Um, you know, and and much love and support from everybody who contributes from the whole Love Collective and everybody. We, what we wanted it to be was more like a, I guess the best way to explain it was less like YouTube, uh, more like, um, man, what is that thing called again? Uh, and Tone Division is a, it's your own place where you you got you guys host your own content. Yeah, so, so it's a video streaming platform. Right. It's, it's fully curated. Mm. You know, we work with people who, you know, I mean, just to be quite honest, like we like their shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, people like, we fuck with. Yeah, very, very similar. Creative, you know what I'm saying? And so we just invite people to, to contribute. Um, you know, it, it's kind of, like I said, it's kind of like Vimeo or Patreon where, you know, you we, we definitely invite people to upload their stuff and like you can utilize it in a way where if you want to sell your content, you can. Um, if you want to put it behind a subscription payment, you can. But mm. ultimately, what it is, is we want it to feel like when you come here, you know that like you're getting dope, dope creative content from some dope, you know, content creators. Okay. Um, and that's kind of the look and feel that we want. We want it to kind of feel like the cool kids club, or we want it to kind of feel like a, a place that like, yo, these people take the craft seriously. Yes. You know, you're going to get quality if you come here. That's kind of the idea behind it. So... Um, yeah, that, you know, we, we just, I mean, right now everything is so saturated and if you kind of notice, you, you can kind of see that curation is the new wave because there yeah. is so much saturation. Yeah. I'd like to piggyback off that and say in the NFT space, it's very much so about curation, especially on the music side of the game. I've had a few different companies come and, uh, basically what they were bringing to the table is like, anybody can make an NFT of anything basically, yeah. mm -hmm. but we want to be the place where people come to look for this particular type of music. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think, um, curation is done with, you know, these little boutique stores and everything. If you come at it with a specificness and a niche, mm -hmm. it might be easier to go farther or yeah. it might make it yeah 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 make it easier to go farther yeah go deep and go go further instead yeah. of going across and trying to do a million things which is how a lot of these platforms started you know everyone was just yahoo testing man. the waters yeah. yeah word up and i think i think honestly too it's a testament to atlanta right or in the atlanta scene because i mean you know how we came up like i feel like we there's some big unsung heroes in the mm. atlanta scene and i'm specifically talking about curators so you know what i mean uh, the Jay Goods of the world, you know, like I said, Alfred Nomad, um, you know, even back when we was running around mm -hmm. in Morian and how yeah. he was curating, you know what I'm saying? Um, mm. All of these people that, that curate the different DJs, the different crews, uh, it's so many people, so, so, so many people that even, even curating, you know, music selection on these websites that we used to always right. go to, right. you know, Greenmont Park when we was, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yo, yeah. big shout out to Greenmont, man. I yeah. still got some of them records. Yeah. I still got some of them downloads. At um, Greenmont Park, wow! And I think that's the <laughs> shit that uh, cause I, I told you last time I was here. I think um, when we did the first episode, the shit you did with um, Ethereal, like that was on oh, the Greenmont yeah, Park okay. tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out Ethereal, yeah. man. Yeah, that shit was on the Greenmont hey. Park tape. Yeah, so yeah. That, and that's Ethereal. that's really. I mean, curation have always. I feel like always been the lifeblood of of hip-hop in general, but also just, just the creative scene in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's so interesting to kind of see that now transfer from the, the analog space to the digital space, like you were talking about with NFTs. Yeah. All these different streaming platforms. Yeah. So, you know, Tone is just our um, addition to that. You know, we want to curate a space as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think, you know, I think we got some shit. 
That's dumb. Now, that's, that's for sure. I'm I'm sorry to cut y'all off. Oh no, you're good. You're good. I'm just I'm I'm affirming, man. That's um, that's damn sure for sure. Yeah. So so did you guys have plans to like grow it? And I guess I wanted to know how do you approach growing something like that? You know, I guess that might be a vague question or open ended. Not actually, it's not. I mean, it's a lot of this really a lot of planning a lot of talking a lot of you know kind of really honing in on our vision um and just growing pains you know figuring out what's working what's not working yeah what direction we want to go through you know balancing each other's schedule because we're all busy as right um that sort of thing you know every every anything creatively that i do i'm doing it with the thought in mind of of tone you know what i'm saying that's like for me i feel like that's my creative outlet you know I, i do cinematography like I have my production company, which is a shirt I'm wearing, Oka Productions, um, and that's more so, you know, front facing, working with clients, that that sort of thing. That's what funds, you know, my freedom. Yeah, yeah, hand clutch to that shit for having God, for funding your own goddamn freedom, yeah, man. Yeah, that's that's, that's so what powerful, this, man. That's that's what this shit is about, man. That's what that's probably our biggest message is to Shoot. get to that point and that threshold to where you can really do the shit that you love. And it right. take dedication when that motivation gone, man. Absolutely. So we respect you. I appreciate it. I, I quit my job like a month and some change ago. Oh, wow. Yo, yeah. let's get it. Man. <laughs> oh, man. That's this what is the even, fuck I'm talking this about, This is real, bro. man. Yeah, this, is this is so real. real. And I, I, I look at it as an inspiration, man. Cause Straight up. My goal is to live off my ideas. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Straight <laughs> like, up. Exactly. And I Straight think up. that's 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 real living, man, because I I'm just I don't think I can do the work for somebody, you know. I because every time I get off, I, I'm asking myself, what can I do? Yeah. At home. Yeah, to, to maximize this shit. Yes, to do yeah, it. Yo, you know, I, you know, I, to I get to off of this shit. This, yo, I'll be at so at my old job, I'll be at that job for like eight hours. I did logistics, so it was like a lot of computer work okay. working with clients. But like, man, it it got to a point where I was so good at my job that I had so much extra time, and I would <laughs> I wouldn't take it for granted. I would do some research, I yeah. would listen to some podcasts, yeah. I would read yeah. some books. Yeah. yeah, but it was still like, man, even with all that reading and podcasts and listening and learning, I was like, man, I could be at home doing this, doing this shit, shit, doing this shit, editing <laughs> and, and filming. Yeah, and, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, if I could sure. wake up and put eight hours of my day into, into my another, shit, yeah, you know, yeah, as, as much as hard as I'm it's working for this, people, another nigga pockets, crazy, man. So, what? Yeah, man. That was the, that was my inspiration for for quitting, man, and, and you know I've just been ripping and running ever since. But anything creative, anything that that frees me up to be creative, and anything that I do creatively, like when I came and you know had the honor of interviewing, uh, uh, man, yeah, you know. How did that go? I don't think we even dove into that. Yeah, that like, shit got deep where can we even <laughs> find it? Where can we? Where can we grab it? Great tone, question. Tone That's a good vision. question. Yeah. Tone division. Tone like, division. So I'm 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 in the midst of um, finishing up because I've been filming this for like. Shit, like past three years maybe. Wow. Different, different wow. creatives and people that I I'm close with and people that I admire. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm gonna be putting it out real soon, but it's gonna be on tone that vision. So okay. anything creative I do in my mind is is that's where it's going. That's the label then. Yeah. You yeah. know what yeah. I said? Tone that vision. Yeah. However we can help, bro. Just let us know, yeah. man. Push the hell out of it for what sure. Up? So what up? okay, okay. Damn. <laughs> we done we done we done we done we done we done ran through my little set of questions because man. So what? is there is there a new Shoot. project coming out? Like, are you? I know you heavy on um, building a business and uh, cinematography, but that motherfucking Marcus Garvey joint. Oh, Ooh, the hard. ghost of Marcus. <laughs> hey, hey! So if you tuned in, 
go check pause the video go check out the ghost of marcus garvey abibjalilbandcamp.com right mm -hmm. listen to that shit. yeah just yeah, yeah. just just come back and let us know how <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> appreciate it you know what so there is something i'm working on um you know we actually just started working on it and i'm actually going to be hitting them up um tomorrow so my boy alan thomas oh um, yeah. yeah so we're working on a project together man that i'm really really excited about yeah um it's gonna be visual it's gonna be you know it's gonna be music it's gonna be audio it's gonna be poetry it's gonna be rhymes it's gonna be narration but it's essentially like the story of my life but from the perspective of, of on the backdrop of like my parents mm. what they had to go through before getting here you know um and, and that sounds hard yeah 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 so i'm i don't want to put a stamp on it to say exactly what it's going to be um but it's definitely going to be an experience and so i look forward to kind of finishing that up and getting that out to the people okay that's what's up man okay i'm with that i'm definitely uh where's that going to be you going to drop it on Bandcamp as well well it's going to be so it's, it's more like a, a film it's probably going to be on tone that vision mm -hmm. oh yeah for sure tone, everything in house yeah definitely on tone definitely on youtube uh and we'll figure it out you know as we right. go, as me and alan kind of finish it up and talk about it uh but it will be accessible to the people to the masses for sure that's what's up okay man. okay so if you were to get rid of all your your content everything you've done so far What's one thing you would leave for the people, like to to let them know who you were in this life, mm. you know, your plans for the future? What's one thing you would keep? One thing we can hold on to. As far as like what I've what I've done, what already? you've done, yeah. Wow, damn, that's a deep one. Hey, this on you on. That's a good question, man. We gotta ask them <laughs> that's questions. A, that's a, hey, that's, <laughs> damn. We gotta ask them questions. Go ahead and we say gotta it. Find out. That's a good question. I would say, <laughs> that's funny. I'll shoot. You know what? Honestly, I would say um I would say go to Marcus Garvey. And the oh, reason, mm, I, that's the reason I would say that is because that's what's gonna set the stage and set the mood for everything else they experience. Because you can't really experience what I create without experiencing that perspective. Mm. You know, and I don't it's not something that um it's not something that I, as a creative, I want to be on the nose about. Like, I'm definitely not trying to be here, out here giving speeches. Yeah, for But sure. I want you to know that this is the perspective I'm coming from. So when you consume my art, understand that that's, that's the palette that I'm pulling from. That's fine, man. That's, that's it, man. That's the one. So we need, I mean, can we put it in the... Absolutely. Fade it oh, out with man. the book. Yeah, you know, fade out with Ghost of Market. I, I was hoping you say, yeah, because... Okay. By all means, if you, you know, let's, uh, yeah, let it rock. Damn. Okay, so... <laughs> feel like we had a good point man we, yeah. we about we about you know pretty much did an hour i want to say thank you for, for coming sure. through thank you. and, Same, and uh thank you bro. and just blessing us with your experience and you know just all the information that you've you know shared upon us man yeah and that I, that jamaica new york atlanta perspective <laughs> yeah. i know i'm gonna go back and watch this shit again. Hold, on, hold on hold on okay one more question though okay Locks versus Div said we never we never got to talk oh, about yeah, this yeah, on yeah. the record. Right, 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 right. Yeah, record. yeah. Oh, yeah. We didn't go deep into it. So I, the verses. I know better. you had to watch that shit. Absolutely. So I caught it from the middle. Okay. And man, Jada, Jada was like my spirit animal. Like, like <laughs> yo, for real, man. Because like, I don't know if people understood what they were seeing when they was watching that verses, and that was a pure example of the tradition of of hip hop. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? That showmanship 
and and that master ceremony because a lot of times yeah, when we MC. say MC, we just thinking of like bars on bars and multi-syllable, mm-hmm. and it's like nah, like that's that's an MC, right? Yeah. That man was the master of the crowd. You know what Straight I mean? And, and and that showmanship, you know that they went and practiced that, that they had that down pat. With the DJ, man. With the DJ, memorize all their rhymes, was able to be flexible and switch it up and play off of the opponent. Like, that was hip-hop. And I don't think, I know for a fact everybody can't do that. Yeah. And that's yeah. the difference. You yeah. know, when you see a dope guitar player, when you see a dope drummer, you know that everybody can't do that yeah and that and that's what makes a difference so man that shit to me was that was incredible witnessing greatness man yeah they did not come to play yeah man at all i think that was a difference in the eras as well man like i feel like the camera era you know like that that era was more oh man we got wavy nigga we got money nigga look 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 Feel like the the you know what they was talking about Styles P and all them, yeah. they was getting to it. You oh know yeah, what they, mean? Like, the they were working. Shine. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. And, that's, and you know what? And that's some New York shit too. Because yeah. like, if you don't understand Harlem versus where they come from, Yonkers, mm-hmm. you not really know. You don't yeah, know what you're you don't know what's at. going yeah. on. Like, yeah, what you see from Dipset, even from the Dipset era, is like yo, that's Harlem. Like that's what yeah. they do. Like you know yeah. what I'm saying? Flashy. Yeah, yeah. that okay. peacock and that like. It's just that's just the energy in Harlem, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And and, and Yonkers and the, and the surrounding areas, man, especially like Yonkers, I would say is more, it's closer to the Bronx, I would say, you know what I'm saying? Which is more blue collar, you would think? Well, I mean, just because the Bronx is like, you know, that's the beginning of hip hop. Yes. You know, so that tradition is strong in that area. Whereas, you know, Harlem, like, is hip hop culture is big there too, but Harlem has a longer culture of just black culture in general uh, so yeah, because with, because of that renaissance and all of that stuff. all of that you know yeah, yeah you're, you're talking about the harlem renaissance i mean like james baldwin is from harlem yeah, you know yeah. What I'm saying? michael mex used to preach in harlem so yeah. harlem has a deeper history uh than just hip-hop so a lot of times what you're looking at is like it's, it's a lot more than just just hip-hop you're looking yeah at a lot you know their pride just show different yeah their pride show differently but at the end of the day this entertainment highway that we're on right now is rap and them niggas came to rap. <laughs> them niggas came to murder whatever the fuck from. I mean, the DJ was so in sync, bro. Yeah, man, that that's crazy. Did. That shit was crazy, yeah. man. I, shout out, shout out to Dipset. Man, shout out to the Locks for sure. Jada, man, he he, yo, he made me reconsider my top five. And he said it right, top five dead or alive. Oh, dead or alive, yeah. He did. did. I woke up and listened to it. I woke up and went to his greatest hits because that nigga definitely. I'm like, bro, I forgot all about that. Hey man, I was sitting there like I stand corrected. Like this man is clearly top five. Because I really wanted Cameron in the win. Because in high in high school, middle school, that's what the shit we was on. Like that's the backdrop to me walking to work and like. Going to cook at fucking Zaxby's. I was listening to shit like that. Like, yeah. Cameron and like, yo, I'm going to get out of this shit. Nigga yeah, still yeah. waving. I'm, yeah. I'm throwing these tenders in here, but a nigga still get. <laughs> still got my know, like, I'm still it. motherfucking. <laughs> yeah. I'm still me out here. Like, fuck this. You know, like, they show their pride differently. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. who so can get that. the girls, who's the flashiest, who yeah. can get the waviest, who's the most popular and wherever yeah. they at. Yeah. And in high school, I was, that was me. Like, I knew everybody, you know, like, I was. The nigga who was who wasn't attached to everyone, but I knew all the crews. Mm-hmm. So that was my backdrop to to getting through high school. And 
Yeah, the locks reminded me why I fuck with them niggas, though. <laughs> right. Man. Man, I just can't. Like, you know, whenever I think of Jada Kiss, I think of on, I forget what song it is, but he was in the video. He was in, you know, with the top down, and he had bounty paper towel wrapped around his head <laughs> as a, as a, a bandana. Yeah. And that's when I realized... Oh, they different. Oh yeah, these <laughs> niggas is different. These niggas is different. I can see the quilted quicker picker upper in that. Shit. Oh, like, okay, okay. Jada Kiss is different. Yeah, for real. But man, yeah, man. Thank you again, yeah, bro. You. This shit has been enjoyable. For sure. Yeah. What up? Episode two. Episode two. Episode three. Three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Episode three. Episode three. Abib Jalil. Was our guest and thank you for coming. For any sure, any links you want to put out or oh yeah man any social oh, yeah, project? Um, definitely check out uh, check out Paid in America uh, PaidInAmerica.com. You know those are my peoples. That's that's home team right there. Uh, shout out to Smokey DB. Uh, shout out to the Love Collective man. Definitely check out Tone Vision, our streaming platform. Yep. If you need some mm-hmm. cinematography, if you need a, a project lead, if you need a photographer, if you need any creative work, check out OkaProductions.com. Um, if you want to follow me, I'm at, you know, um, IcreaArt.atl on IG. Um, mm-hmm. Or just search for IcreaArt or Abib Jalil and you know, you'll, you'll find me, man. So, word up. I appreciate you guys for the opportunity, man. Much for love. sure, man. Thank, Thank you. You, you already know I'm Ian underscore the curator. Y-I-N underscore the curator. And then Stefan. Yeah, uh, that's Stefan underscore ringer underscore FWM on IG. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go to the website, to the label site, FWMENT.com. I got merch up there. I got records up there. Uh, also, digital music for sale. You know, you can hit the Bandcamp, FWMEntertainment.bandcamp.com. Mm-hmm. Go up there. I got records, uh, merch, music. Um, yeah. And we dropping merch for. That's a good question. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. We got some cool shirts on the way. Um, follow, subscribe, hit the like button, goddamn. Um, yeah, man. Peace, love, power to everybody out there, and uh, stay healthy, y'all. Thank y'all. Peace. Peace. Peace.